decision to call Brett out. I would have to agree with you, Frank, because uh, they took a long time to make this decision. They talked it over two or three times. We take a look at home plate umpire Jim McLeland, and uh, I, he might be waiting there for that bat to be retrieved. I'm sure with a controversial call like this that they will try to take this bat and uh, have the American League office or whoever might be concerned. They probably want that bat examined. What a call. I have, Like you said, I have never seen a call made like that for, for it to be such an important call and deciding a ball game. I never have either. So I'll be darned. I have never in my life seen anything like this. I've said it, Bobby, so many, many times. You never go to a ball game that you don't see something you've never seen before. Past Ball Show. Brought to you by JohnPLE.com. What the f*** do you think is my opinion of it? I think it was Put that in. I don't... So the Tribe drops its third straight on this trip, 6-1 to to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Talk about the past, talk about the history, and talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we talk about. I would say I would know, but I would say the reason why they want that is baseball going to the highest baseball sport that has gone into baseball and from the baseball angle. I'm not going to speak of any other sport. Let me start by telling you this I have never used steroids, period. Jerry, just remember. It's not a lie. You believe it. Joe Carter with a three-run homer. The winners and still world champions, the Toronto Blue Jays. And this team sucks. Well, he is. He's out. That's three years out. Look at this. Three years out. And Damon Mack. I'm not here to argue about other sports. I'm in the baseball business. It's been run cleaner than any baseball business. Never put out in the hundred years of the present time. Sell the team. It's tuning in to Jumpy Ellie's Basketball Show. Hosted by a guy called Jumpy Oh, yeah, from the CSB studios in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, on the MTR Radio Network. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com. I'm here with uh, lead guitarist for Boy Meets Machine, Christian Colabelli. Yeah. And he's pretty fired up. We've got a solid hour coming for you, we definitely got his dad's going to call in. We're going to talk about some uh, New York Yankees baseball, and you you, you don't want to miss this. This is going to be some fun stuff coming <laughs> up. Um, I don't know if you got a hold of Mike. Maybe Mike will call in a little later, but we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, we got a ton of stuff to talk about. Um, I'm going to start this little tangent here. We'll see. You know, if uh, what's your what's your father's first name? Jim. 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 Uh, Jim Colabelli. Jim Colabelli. He'll be he'll be calling in in a little bit. Like I said, uh, I will I will cut myself off as soon as he uh, he tunes himself into the show. Um, the Mets coming off of a three game sweep of the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, 
I don't know really what to make out of it. This is a team that, you know, last week, you know, got swept by the Houston Astros. Overall, right now at 18 and 13, they're at their high point of the year and really are taking on the attitude of their manager. They seem to really be going out of their way to to really play, and they're, they're doing everything possible to set up really to, uh, you know, really grit a win. And I, I, got, I got some concern about the Philadelphia Phillies, Christian. I mean, really what I've seen in this series over the last, like, you know, whatever, the last, like, couple games – I mean, they don't really seem to have that, like, killer attitude that they had before. I understand Howard's out. I understand that Utley's out. These are, you know, these are pretty big deals. But, you know, right now we're looking at something that, you know, this, this might be a little, like, you know, contagious as far as, you know, the losing ways to lose the edge that they had in the last couple of years. And I really compare it to a lot of what happened to the 2009 Mets. And, you know, a Philly fan's not going to like to hear this. They're not going to be happy about this at all. They're going to... You know, they, they, the last thing they want to be compared to is a team like the 2009 New York Mets. But what really happened is they had an ability. You know, if you looked at 2006, 2007, 2008, everybody talks about how, you know, there, there was such, you know, loss going into, you know, those seasons. They were winning seasons. And then it ends up going into 2009, which ended up dropping off the face of the earth. We're going to get back to this in a little bit. Right now we're going to welcome – uh, Jim Calabelli to the show. Jim, John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Thanks for having a couple minutes today. Hey, how are you tonight? Hey, not too bad, man. Hey, Dad, what's going on? Hey, Chris, how are you, guy? Great. <laughs> Good to have after, you. After, after last night's game, I'm not sure if I uh, have anything to say. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, we're gonna we're we're gonna get into that in a little bit, man. Uh, first of all, how long? Uh, obviously, Christian was telling me how, how much of a Yankee fan you are. How how far do you go back following the Yankees? Well, let me tell you, my first Yankee game was in 1958, and I saw Hector Lopez come in and relieve for. I mean, just not excuse me, Luis Orio come in and relieve. Whitey Ford, doubleheader against Minnesota with wow. uh, Camilio Pasquale pitching for Minnesota. It was a great game. I was only uh, nine years old. And Went with my uncle to the game. <laughs> and so did... I go back a lot of years. I've seen the lean years, and I've seen the good years. Now, did, did, you, did you know right from the beginning that you were, you were going to be a Yankee fan for life? Was this one of those things that, you know, you finally made it to your first game and you're like, you know what, I, I was going to be this no matter what? Or did they have a way of kind of working their way into your interest? Uh, you know what? My whole family were Yankee fans, so it was very, very simple. You know, we, uh, we all used to listen on radio and or TV, so I've always enjoyed the Yankees. How could you not enjoy watching Mickey Mantle, watching Tony Kubek, Bobby Richardson, Yogi, Elston Howard, all these great ball players. Plus, they used to win all the time, which yeah. made it a lot of fun when you were a kid. Yeah, it was I mean, just the lean years in the '60s that were tough. Yeah, they absolutely were, man. And going back to the, you know the way things are now, and the Yankees being a fixture for the postseason every year. A lot of you know right. younger kids are growing up with the same type of mentality. Hey, the Yankees win all the time. I love this team. Yeah. And yeah. you know, they kind of miss, you know, you know they, they kind of lose track of what happened, you know, even in the, ni- the early 90s and then, of course, in the late 60s, which I'm sure you're pretty well aware of. Yeah, with late 60s and early 70s, I mean, they, they had some really tough teams to watch. 
Although you love Horace Clark at second, uh, you had, uh, I'm trying to think, some of the other ball players, Jerry Tinney, uh, just ball players that you know they did their best, but they didn't have a lot of talent. But it was enjoyable. It was definitely enjoyable to watch during those lean years because in the, in the 70s especially, watching the Yankees win the uh, American League uh, East and then, of course, uh, going into the World Series in 75, Cincinnati was so good. And then coming back in, uh, I guess it was 76, I'm sorry. Then it's 77, going up against the Dodgers and beating them, and then 78, beating them again. That was phenomenal. There was there was a lot of things going on with you know with those times how they went from the kind of lean years and of course George came in and you know brought yeah. the team back to respectability you know with the team the championships of you know uh, seventy seven and seventy eight um, how Absolutely. how was how was it following you know Mickey Mantle now of course you know I'm sure you saw him in his prime but then you saw him towards the end of his career yeah was yeah. it you know was it kind of a sad story to see how you know his body deteriorating and stuff and not really being the player that he was when he was really he was really all world in his prime absolutely from 58 61 even at 61 when uh, he was uh, he and Roger were uh, fighting for uh, the home run crown it was just phenomenal what we used to see in the news in those days you had papers in the morning and the afternoon. And you would see articles about how Mickey, just to see him get up, used to be such a thrill. The guy was just a phenomenal hitter. Right side, left side, and he used to hit bombs when he hit them. And you're right, as 63, 64, and then toward the end, 65, I guess 66, or 67 might have been the end for him. He was in such pain, he could barely walk. And one of my fondest memories was watching Denny McLean set up, I think it was his 500th home run. He really gave him a gimme pitch, and Mickey just hit it out, and the place went wild. Absolutely wild. Yeah, you but know, it was tough. I, I would, I would it was have, tough to get old. Yeah. Now, I would, I would have loved to see Mickey Mantle in his prime because, you know, as a baseball fan, whether, you know, I'm, I'm a Mets fan or some kind of different fan, I would have just loved to see a guy like that because I don't think, you know, like, like you know, figureheads, which Mickey Mantle was, really exist in the game today. You got some good players, but you don't really have anybody that's like a legend in his prime. And I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure following him, you kind, of, you kind of knew that as it was happening. Yeah, we we're, were pretty lucky because, of course, in the East or in New York, you had Mickey Mantle, you had Duke Snyder with Brooklyn before they went out to L.A., and you had Willie Mays before, with the Giants before they went out to uh, San Francisco. It was phenomenal. Baseball was so big. Every kid enjoyed baseball when I was growing up. So, you know what? It was He just was a great ball player, just a great, great ball player. Yeah, he definitely was. And, you know, before I get into the current situation, what's going on in the Yankees, I just want to ask you, you saw Willie Mays play. Who did you think was a better player, Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle? You see, Willie, Willie was really a great ball player. But I was such a Yankee fan. No matter what Willie did, and he did plenty, he was probably a much smoother outfielder than Mickey was, especially after Mickey messed up his knees. 
uh, a few times. Uh, I just was, uh, I just adored Mickey Mantle. But Willie, you can't take anything away from Willie. Uh, he was good. He was excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, really the way I look at it, I mean, it really depended, like you said, of what team you were a fan of. If you were a Giants fan, yeah. you would have loved Willie Mays. You know, if you're a Dodger fan, you would have tried to make your case for Duke Snyder or even a Gil Hodges. Exactly. But, you know, if you exactly. love if you love the Yankees as great as Willie Mays was, which there are very few Yankee fans that will, you know, won't acknowledge how great Willie Mays was. You know, Mickey Mantle was your guy. I mean, you, you, you know, yeah. you, you, know you, you watched him come up as a kid. You watched him take the mantle, you know, not, you know, no pun intended from, uh, you know, Joe DiMaggio when he came up, but, Absolutely. you know, it, it came, it was a little rough start, but he ended up becoming the living legend. And it's, it's, it's amazing to, you know, I, I would have loved to grow up in a time like that where, I, you know, you, you could have seen so much going on with the great players and even how they, you know, even how they're, they're looked at nowadays. I mean, they are, they're still, you know, the greatest of all time, you know, some, you know, 40, 50 years later. Absolutely. And you're right, Mickey did not have an easy time when he was taking over for Joe DiMaggio. A lot of the fans weren't really on his side, but uh, he did win them over. There's no question about it. But they had just a murderous row with the people they had, Moose Scourin and Hank Bauer. Uh, you had some really good ball players. It, yeah. was, it was fun to watch. Yeah, and of course, Moose Scarin, you know, passed away, you know, within the yeah. last week or so. You know, it yeah. definitely prayers yeah. out to his family and stuff. But he certainly, he certainly was a good player in his time too. Didn't oh, uh, you absolutely. know? wasn't You know, wasn't an MVP type, but he always seemed to be a guy that you could really count on to come up with a big hit. You know, particularly in the postseason. No, no question about it. He was just a true Yankee all the way. You know, it was sad when he wasn't a Yankee, but the years he was there, let me tell you, there were. I must have seen five or six championship years in a row. Uh, well, maybe a break here and there. It was really excellent. Really a lot of fun. Yeah, it definitely had to been. Now on, on to the Yankees now, who aren't really off to the greatest start. I'm sure there are some panic, you know, some reasons to panic over what's you know going on so far. The Orioles are off to a good start. The Rays are, you know, really kind of taking over the division right now. Uh, what what uh, what exactly do you think is holding the Yankees back right now from being that premier team that they've been over the last decade and a half? It just seems like they're they're well. First of all, we know that the pitching has not been what we expected it to be. To think that you're waiting for Sabathia to come around five days, uh, you know, every five days, it just or five games, it's just sad. But also, the hitting has been just. So untimely, so many men on base, and it just seems that we just aren't able to take connection. It seems like we're they overshift, and for sure we're going to hit into that overshift. I just can't believe that we can't come up with timely hits. I was telling Christian that I wonder about Long, uh, Coach Long. I don't know if he's doing the job that everybody thinks he did to help Granderson. It just seems like so many people are in a funk. And it, it could be them as well. Cano getting off to a bad start has really hurt us. Because we've been so used to him batting 500 with men on base. He's just not doing it. He's starting to come around a little bit. I'm not sure if I like him at four. I really mean that. I, I just don't know if that's the place he should be. But 
that's me. Now, looking at looking at it as far as a player that's missing, maybe it's a coincidence, but what? Um, oh boy. Brett Gardner's been out for a while. What impact has that had over the team not really producing the amount of runs that they should? Don't hold you back here, Dad. I, I, unfortunately, I have not been a big Brett Gardner fan. I know he's quick. I know he makes some good plays out in the outfield. I just don't see him as the batter that I would expect my left fielder to be every day. I, I, Chris knows I go wild when I see him take strike one, strike two. Yes, he is a good two-strike hitter, but I just don't feel fundamental, fundamentally. I don't think he bunts well. I don't think he knows how to steal. His speed is his weapon. But you know what? I have to kind of eat crow a little bit because he's been out and it seems like the team has been playing up to potential. We see it with uh, Swisher as well. Those four or five or six games he was out, we go to Kansas City and we look like garbage. So I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's more catalyst than I think he is. Maybe they, they guys that are on the field expect him to be their legs and the drive of the team. I, I'm, I'm not sure how to answer that. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you know go statistics wise here because right right now the Yankees obviously the lineups had their issues their main guys are really the problem right now and if you look at right. number one Derek Jeter and number two Nick Swisher those really are the guys statistically that are carrying this team right now how do you how do you feel about that and particularly Swisher is actually outside of the games that he missed due to injury is actually off to a very good start absolutely I, you know what I know he's a beloved guy, I think he has uh, too many people following him on uh, Twitter. <laughs> you know, I've been disappointed in his playoffs because he was weak in both that he's been in. But, you know, maybe that's just not enough of bigger, big, the uh, vast amount of uh, body of work for me to be that judgmental. He has been carrying him. There's no question. Between him, he and Jeter... Jeter's been phenomenal. Jeter is probably as good as he was in uh, between 1999 and uh, 2000. He's just been phenomenal. I mean, how do you explain Jeter? I mean, what is what you know? What happened, you know, last year and prior two years where you saw like you know an average decline of the guy getting older, and all of a sudden after he got his 3,000th hit, he's become. Something that almost he he almost wasn't in his prime. I I don't understand, you know the the big you know the the big thing with Derek Jeter's numbers becoming as great as they have. How do you explain him in the run that he's been on for the last year? I, I think you probably have stated the fact that the three thousand had to be a lot of pressure. Just look how he addressed three thousand. He goes for his three thousand hit and, and hits five for five and. The 3,000 hit is a home run. I just think he's playing relaxed. I think he's playing with house money because he realizes he is coming to an end. But I think he also takes care of himself. I mean, I don't – I know some people, there's been some overtures, oh, he's probably using some juice or whatever. I don't think that's the case at all. Listen, if he he is, he's going to get caught. Yeah, it's that simple. Because you know what? He will – Nobody's going to get away with that, I don't think. Absolutely not. I just think he's locked in. He's focused. He's hitting to his ability. As you know, he's not a pull hitter. 
He takes the ball to more right center, and he's just on the ball. He's seeing it. And, I, I, you know, I, I just hope that he can keep it going from month to month. I tell you, he's getting good at bats. He had good at bats last night. So it's just a matter of staying consistent, staying focused, staying healthy. I, I think um, that's the only way I could really report to you why he's doing what he's doing. I think he's always been a good ball player, and he's just showing how solid he is. Yeah, now let, now let me ask you. There's a lot of talk last year. Obviously, it's not the case. I already know the answer to this question, but no more no more uh, concern about dropping Jeter in the order anymore, huh? Now, you know what? i got to tell you, I probably thought when he was really struggling, do we need to have the number one batter getting up there and going down after, you know, four or five pitches? No, the, the guy's just consistent. He's just really consistent. Yeah. And i, I got to tell you also that if we recall last year, he was batting a little too sometimes. I think you need to be in a spot in the order, and you've got to feel it and play it. And he's just showing he deserves to be the number one batter. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when, when Gardner comes back, uh, do you think do you think they're going to look for a little spark and maybe bring him back to the top of the order? See, for me, the only place Gardner should be is number nine for the simple reason that after the first, you know, at-bats, you've now given Jeter a guy on base. And I just think it, it's just a smart move to have like a 9-1, and then you go from there. And I think Granderson is a good two-batter. I really do. I think he's done wonders with hitting lefties, his power stroke. I think, you know, they just need to get into a groove where everybody's clicking, the way Tampa Bay is. Tampa Bay comes up with a key hit at the right time. That's what we need. We just haven't been there yet. Dad, what do you think think the optimal Yankee lineup is? Well, again, I have to bite my words here because – or bite my tongue, I should say. That's all right. Let it out, man. Let let us know how you feel. I'm just talking – let's start with batting order. Just give me – what's the optimal Yankee batting order? Let's let's solidify that. I think Cano is not comfortable in four, and as much as you'd like to see him with that power stroke he has, I think Teixeira, if I see him hit into any more double plays, every overshift he hits into. I mean, two big games, one in Kansas City and the one last night. Yes, the kid made an unbelievable play, but he hit into a double play when he had first and second and no outs last night. They needed to get that run. I don't know if I want him five. I think I might say stay with Jeter, with Granderson, go back to Teixeira because at least you know he can bat righty and lefty. Go to uh, A-Rod, go to Cano, and then come with Swisher. And then I don't care if it's like Abanias. Who it is, you know, depending on who you have in there. Yeah, I think I, I think that's a good order, actually. I, I didn't like in the beginning of the year when Girardi was kind of flip-flopping, putting Swisher 2 and Granderson. Yes. You know, I don't I, – even if it's a lefty or a righty, Granderson should be in the two-hole. And that's what they did last year, and he's very successful with it. And now it seems like – well, obviously Swisher has been hurt and Granderson's batting two more. But I think you got to keep Granderson in the two-hole. And, and let me so. let me also throw in that you know Granderson really killed lefties last year. Yes, I mean he yes. It, it didn't really matter whether it was a lefty or a righty on the mound when he hit those forty one right. home runs. 
he was right. he was equally good against both righties and lefties. There's no question. I mean, for average, I think he's batting about 270, if I'm not mistaken, which isn't bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. i got to tell you, I, I wish that Joe, especially when they were, Joe Girardi, especially when they were struggling to produce runs, I think you've got to fun. You've got to move people up. You've got to play a little bit more fundamental baseball to get people into a groove. But I, I just don't think that Scherer is your five hitter. I just think there's too many chances that you're going to be loaded up on the bases and he just seems consistent to hit towards second base. I just don't want to continue to see double plays the way I'm seeing it. Well, you I don't know if you drop him down further than that. I mean, maybe you would. Maybe you put him at six and you bring Swisher up to five. This way you have a righty-lefty. No matter who's pitching, he could go that way. Maybe that's something they should think about doing. Now do, you, now, do you think, uh, as far as when they're putting a shift, particularly on Teixeira, do you think right. it would be beneficial for him to hit against the ship, shift and maybe slap the ball to left field a little more? Well, or do you, or do you think that's taking away his power? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very concerned, as I say, and Chris hears me say this all the time. I just don't understand how Coach Long cannot adjust him somewhere, either to take up, uh, take off a little bit on the swing instead of everything being power, or stop that and lefty, back righty, and let's just see what you can do. I really mean it. This guy is just a power hitter that if he's in a groove, you might see two, three home runs in two, three days. But he's just not hitting for average. And I've talked to Chris about stay on the right side. Don't put that lefty. I don't know if he's a better lefty hitter than righty. But it just seems there's something missing in the lineup. And Cano is a big part of it. That's why I wouldn't screw around with him. If five is where he hit best, leave him at five. All right, let's move us into, uh, into A-Rod. What's, uh, you know, what's going on with him? He showed little glimpses of you know yeah. getting himself in a groove. What do you think of A-Rod and what, you know, what should the Yankee fan expect for him the rest of this season? I, you know what? It's hard to say. I just hope this isn't the look of where he's going to be for the next two, three years because he is not the hitter that you're expecting. You see some glimmer of hope, and then you see just ruts on top of the ball, grounding out, little toppers to the mound. I just don't get it that, you know, it seems that they're giving him the rest he needs. It just seems that he's not really on the ball. And I know he's got, five, I think, five home runs. I'm not even looking for him to get 15 or 20 or, or be the way, uh, um, you know, the guy in Texas hit the uh, four the other day. I just want to see clean strokes. Uh, he's got the ability to just get clean strokes. Be a hit machine. Don't be a home run hitter. Just make contact with his strength. He should be gapping the ball. And that's what I'm hoping from him. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think there is some concern, and I think that's, you know, if you're thinking from Joe Girardi's mind, I think he has some doubt as far as what A-Rod's got left, whether he could be a 40-home run hitter again. And that really gets right. into what he's thinking when it comes to the lineup. Now, you know, right. I understand how you may not like the fact that he's switching the order up all the time, but, you know, I think he's got some concern about A-Rod. I think he wants to put him in what he feels is the right spot. 
I think he looks yeah. at, at Cano as a guy that's you know entering the prime of his career. You know, A Rod's past yeah. it. You know, A Rod. Um, you know, you're looking at Cano. Cano's really got his best years ahead of him. So I think you know there's Absolutely. some concern there when it comes with the lineup to maybe put Cano in a four spot or even a even a potential three spot. You know, really yeah. really thinking that the best is yet to come for Robinson Cano. Uh, all good points, and again, I would really think that with his power and his ability to go to right field as well as left field, or left field as well as right field, that that is the perfect situation. But it just seems that he doesn't have the skill today that he seemed to have last year, that knack of just going with the pitch. If it's on the outside, he'll take it down to left field. It just seems that everything, he's almost like in the same Deshera mode, wanting to pull, pull. Although, again, the last... Four or five games, he seems to be driving the ball to the opposite side. I don't think he's staying on his back foot as much. To be honest, I mean, well, now the last couple of games he has, but he was definitely out in front, and he, yeah, you know, he's not sitting back on the ball and driving it the other way. And I agree, I agree. And you know what? To have your three, four, and five producing nothing. Is really difficult. And these to watch. are the these are the big guys too. These are the big guns that we paid a hey. lot of money for to to produce. And you know right. what? The other thing with A Rod too is, I don't know if you've noticed, but pitchers really know how to pitch him now. They they don't throw anything out over the plate because ever since uh you know ever since his injury, he is pretty prone to swinging and missing at uh, at inside pitches. He can't really pull the ball yeah. the way that he did. He hits everything pretty much to dead center field. when he, That's his power spot now. And they're also throwing him a lot of junk sliders uh, down in the dirt on the outside, and he, and he, and he swings at him every time. So I yeah. don't know what to do. You know, I, I guess there, I'm sure Joe Girardi has some date in mind where – He's going to have to make some real hard decisions. Again, do you drop? Do you bring Swisher up because he's hitting with power? Do you take uh, a guy like Deshera and or Rodriguez and you move him down further? I just don't know. I mean, Granderson is the closest thing to a home run power along with Swisher. Other than that, you got Abanias, who seems to give you glimpses. I mean, he's doing what he should be doing. But I, I don't know where else they're going to get it from. It's funny because we were talking about how Swisher, Swisher's got to go, and, and now look. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we yeah. were wrong about that. <laughs> now I'm talking as if he's the, uh, got to be the anchor. You know what? I, I, he wants to be here, and he's shown he could do it. As I, say, uh, be, as I said before, one of the things that I didn't like about Gardner is that he takes so many pitches. I just don't think that a guy like him should be taking those kind of pitches. I'm not saying swing at crap, but at the same time, make sure that you're getting two swings every time you're up, at least, at least, instead of putting yourself in a hole. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, yeah, I definitely he, agree. We actually we actually just got the Yankee lineup in now. You want to hear it? Got a, I bet you is Gardner in tonight? No, no Gardner, man. But you got, uh, you got oh. Jeter leading off, followed by Swisher and Cano. A-Rod DHing, Teixeira, Granderson, Jones in left field, Nunez at third, and Stewart catching today. So it's a lefty pitcher. Uh, wow. Yeah, I think David Price it, is pitching for Tampa right. Bay today. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Price yes. is, it, right. David Price is 
I picked five and zero, and if I'm not mistaken, Sabathia is four and zero. So, uh, wow, Dad, you think uh, Joel Madden's going to put uh, any kind of softball moves on tonight when he's managing? What do you think? Well, I mean, he's amazing because uh, Chris knows I'm not real. I don't like to see those. I call them softball moves. Yeah, but I tell I you though, like the, his players love him though. They love him. They love him. And obviously they play for him. I mean, last night Phelps pitched a great game. Uh, Wade comes in, pitches a, gr- a great inning. Soriano gets in a little trouble, does great. It's just unfortunate. Robinson just didn't have it. Gave up two quick hits. Before you knew it, the bases were loaded. Then you thought, you know what, there's a chance he's going to get out of this thing. But then, uh, it was it jo- who was it, Jobers last night? Did it the home run? Or Joyce? I don't know who hit the home was Joyce. run. Joyce. Joyce hit the home run that won it. Joyce. I mean, what a shame. I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, maybe we can win in the bottom of the inning. And the next thing you know, the three-run homer. <laughs> it was just too bad because Phelps, I thought, did a really good job. And the Yankees just were a little bit off balance. They got the one run off of Cano. And you know what? We just talked about that moving Granderson, but I guess he feels because there's a lefty up, he wants uh, Swisher in there to bat righty. So. Now, let's be honest, Jim. I, I don't think it makes sense. I think you leave Granderson in a two-spot. I, I don't think it makes sense either. Cause I, you... mean, I mean, listen, you're looking yeah. at a guy that, like I said before, dominates left-hand pitching and it may yeah. not have the numbers necessarily this year, but he had 41 home runs last year. And if you look at the splits, you'll see that he killed left-hand pitching. Why why yeah. are you why are you wasting your time moving Granderson down in the order when number one, he's fine in the spot that That's, he's at. That screws with the hitter mentally too, because you know, you're used to hitting in the two hole, you see certain pitches there, you're getting a lot of good right. you right. see a lot of good pitches well, I, in the two hole. They they may be going on the number I don't know what the numbers are. Maybe he's got poor numbers. Again, I'd rather have a two, but maybe Girardi's thinking, look, my two power guys right now are Granderson and Squisher. And he's using the two hole. It's not a sacrifice hole for him. It's a power hole for him. Right. Because he's in a cheater get on. And how many doubles has cheater had already? Yeah. Ridiculous. So, uh, maybe he's just thinking, look, I'm going up against Lefty. I'm, I'm just looking at numbers. Swisher's just as good at hitting a whole run there as uh, Granderson. But we'll see. Let, let's take a look. I mean, he really handcuffed him last time he pitched against him. But let's see what happens. I'm trying to think. Did he get the win? He did. He had to because he's five and out. When he played the Yankees, wasn't that the first game against Sabathia? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think Sabathia got a no decision. Yep. Right. Right. Sabathia got the no decision, and uh, obviously he got a no decision. Or did he? Get, he just pitched the whole eight. I don't recall now. But hey, listen, we really need to start winning series. You know, seeing them go two and two against Kansas City, going uh, one and two against Baltimore, uh, Texas went in. Now, did Texas win last night? I don't even know. Did Texas beat Baltimore? I um, I think I think the Orioles won, if I'm not mistaken. But I okay, I, I, so I, can, I can look they, it up right now. <laughs> the, the Orioles took one out of two. I, we, we just have to get into a groove. It's just so disheartening seeing win one, lose one. Win two, lose two. They just got to get going. They got to get going. There's a very lax kind of, uh, I don't know, aura around the team, I think. It's just, it's almost like they're like, ah, you know, 
we'll get him next game. That's that's what I feel like right now. It's it's not. Yeah. No one's playing like with heart. They got to step up. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I I agree. I mean, when you watch a team like Tampa Bay, what they did, and even with Baltimore, there just seems to be a little bit more flow. And I don't know if it's player or just. I don't know. Maybe it's just where they are right now. Let's see what where everybody is in a month from now. That's the only thing I'm scared about. I'm scared that we're going to be exactly where they are, about a 500 club, Ugh. maybe two or three games over 500. That you can't be. Not in this league. You can't be it. Yeah, and actually, it's too strong. Going back to the Rangers and Orioles, they actually didn't play last night. There was an off day. They just played the first two games where Texas oh, won okay. both of them. Okay, and that's why I don't remember. I was like, I was like, I was, I was thinking of all the games. I'm like, I don't remember, you know, Texas and Baltimore playing. But you know, now that I looked it up, I realized they were both off yesterday, so I wasn't, I wasn't missing anything. Dad, you think, uh, you know, you think, on, you think Pettit can bring bring a spark back to the clubhouse at least, maybe maybe get him going. Well, uh, I hope so. I happened to listen to him uh, coming home from work. He was first on uh, Michael K's show. I said he was on Francesca, um, uh, and you know he said honestly he is ready. He's ready. Does he think he has total command? He's not sure. You know he's a little concerned about the minor league, but it was the minor league. Uh, he had a little trouble with the mound. He's not using it as an excuse, but his arm feels good. He feels he can go a hundred pitches. You know he knows that he's going to have to grind. He's going to have to make his pitch. That's the thing that he's most concerned about, making the right pitch at the right time. So I'm hoping that uh, he brings him a spark. I really am. Well, he's a what? proven winner. You know, that that's the one thing. The guy it has just an unbelievable just command and, and just yep. – I, I don't know. I want that guy on my team. I don't care if he's Satchel Page's age. I want him pitching. Yeah. yeah. Now let, let me oh, ask. Let me ask you, Jim. You got. Uh, you know, obviously, Hughes is going to be the first one out of the rotation. You want to. You want to see Hughes in a rotation at all anymore? Or is he? Is he strictly I, a reliever a little, in your mind? I'm a little disenchanted with Hughes for the simple reason that even if he's pitching well, he seems like he's in that uh, Vasquez uh, syndrome. <laughs> there's always going to be a home run hit off of him, and it all depends if there's men on base. He just doesn't seem like he has. When he had 18 wins, he has no mastery of getting anybody out. He could still go 0-2 on somebody. They'll end up 3-2, and and the likelihood is that he's going to walk them or there's going to be a hit. It doesn't seem like he has that power or the finesse to get people out. Yeah, I have to believe that he's the guy I might want in the the, uh, bullpen because he did show he could do it. Yeah, looking, like looking back in the playoffs, he you know he had that one good season, you know postseason as yeah. a reliever. Do you think that yep. he can he could actually step in and maybe take a role that's missing with you know with Rob Robertson closing and Soriano being the eighth inning guy? You think maybe he could be that guy to do what Soriano was doing or what Robertson was doing in the seventh and eighth innings? Yeah, I, that's what I'm looking at. That's what I really think has got to happen because as good as they have, uh, you know, had some nice pitchers in there. I think they need to have somebody that can get people out. Maybe if he's only pitching one inning, maybe he's going to come with more smoke and be able to strike some people out or fool some people. But I really think that might be the case. 
and whether it's Soriano and Robinson or Robinson and Soriano, I think the one good thing about not having uh, Rivera right now, and I, that's a terrible statement to make, is that I don't know who's going to be the closer yet. Maybe it is going to be uh, – Soriano. Hey, how about if it's, how about if it turns out to be Hughes? Phil Hughes. I was just thinking that. <laughs> Can you maybe, imagine that? Maybe. See, the one thing that I know uh, Francesca mentioned too. When you start messing around with where people are, now you're messing around with three people versus okay, we lost our closer right now. So I realized Robertson was always the eighth inning guy, and Soriano was more the seventh inning guy. So now we're moving everybody up one. I, I don't know. Maybe uses that guy. Who knows? We'll see. Now going back, going back on to managing. Um, how do you feel about Joe Girardi's manager style? The way he, the way he, you know, oversees the players and stuff like that. How would you rank it? You know, I know you mentioned about Joe Madden, who you know does loopy things sometimes. But you know, there's also yeah. another guy in that division that does things totally different, and that's Bobby Valentine. And then you go to yeah. Baltimore and you got Buck Showalter. So where, yeah. you know, where does Girardi rank in your mind as far as as good of a manager as he is? And whether you like the other guys or not, how do you compare and contrast their styles? You know, I think I like Joe Girardi. I think, though, and especially the fact that he played in the uh, National League and he managed in the National League, I think sometimes he just gets too enthralled with the power that he has. I'd like to see a little bit more uh, baseball where, again, a bunting situation, let's put them down. We're not hitting real good. Got men up first and second. Let's get one of these players, bunting somebody up. I'm not talking about A-Rod, but we have enough Swisher and Martin and, uh, excuse me, Martin and um, the other catcher. Uh, Chris Stewart. Who's tonight. Chris Stewart. Who's catching? Stewart. Let's see some of these guys move people up. Come on. I, 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 that amazes me that we just seem to sit back and wait for a power hit or a double. I want to see things generate a little bit more. Hey, you That's know, why, again, going back to Gardner, I just don't feel he's a natural stealer. He just doesn't seem comfortable in just doing it. So, But as far overall, I like I like how he handles pitchers. I really do. I think he's done some good things. He doesn't overwork people the way Lucanelli used to. I, I, you know what? I think he's the right man for the job right now. Well, I look at you know you look at guys and you're talking about you know small ball and stuff. And actually, there really isn't a guy that's really mastered the small ball in his time more than Bobby Valentine. I mean, he really yeah, he really right. he really lives his game by playing you know small ball. And I, I right. mean, I think you know, even in Boston, I mean, some of the guys don't like it. You know, a Euclid don't likes, you know, isn't isn't like what he's forced to hit the ball to the right side when there's you know, there's you know, runner at second and one out. Right. You know, he just wants to go right. up and hit a home run. And these guys, these guys right. aren't buying into the system. And I think that that's actually hurting the Red Sox more than Valentine being the actual manager. Uh, you know what? A lot of truth to it. A lot of truth. The thing with Bobby Valentine, and I'm not a real big fan of his, but he certainly has produced. He, to me, I equate him to uh, Rex Ryan, who I'm not a Jeff fan. But these guys put their mouth in front of them instead of somehow working within the system, working with their players to kind of like give them the belief. I just don't like talking the game. I like seeing the game played. 
I guess that would be more Buck Showalter and uh, John Ma- uh, Joe Maddock. They just seem to get their players locked in, and that's that. Hey, if you don't mind, I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit on Bobby V, just because you know, just watching him as a manager and going through his career, the guy is a ridiculous mind when it comes to baseball as far as game planning and stuff like that. The issue with him, like you said, and I agree with the point you made about you know him letting his mouth kind of take over, but that's really right. that that his his style is more of his his plan as a manager. What he does, the guy game plans probably better than almost anybody out there. And if you look back, well, he knows, even when he, he struggled with the he struggled a little bit with the Rangers in the in the eighties, but they had they had an identity. You knew what they right. were going to do. The guy was a you know used his baseball mind to really put himself out there, and he did the same thing with the Mets. I think what his issue is with Boston right here is that. You know, they're so stuck in their ways, the, the Pedroyas of the world, the Josh Beckett's of the world. They want to kind of do their own thing. And, yeah. you know, Bobby Valentine's coming over there and say, listen, this is the way the game's played. I've been in this game for 30 years. I know how the game's supposed to be played. You guys are going to do things my way. And they're kind of at a little standstill right now. And I think that has a lot to do with their lack of success. Uh, you know what? All valid points. As I say, I just have not been a good enough fan of his he has had a lot of success. You know what? My mind, and, and Chris will laugh at this. I know what you're going to say. You know what I'm going to say, Chris. Go ahead. I see him get thrown out of the game <laughs> and coming back with a mustache on. That did it for me. I mean, I don't care what kind of mind you are. you got to be kidding me. That was awesome. So, I'm, I'm just stuck in a time warp as far as Bobby Valentine's concerned. Yeah, listen, there's no... But you're right. He's a baseball guy. Yeah, there's no doubt that he's got, you know, he's got his haters. There's people that don't like his style. And I, I just think sometimes right. it gets misunderstood. You you hear what the guy says, and you're like, what a jerk. Kind of like similar to Ozzie Guillen. I mean, he got himself in trouble again today with some stupid yeah. things that he was saying. He went off on a oh. on a, uh, on a, on a uh, guy interviewing him, asking him a Castro question. You know, oh, and, no and yeah. actually, you know, if you look at Ozzie Guillen as a manager, the guy actually knows what he's doing. I mean, it, yeah. like, if you look, he led the Chicago White Sox to a World Series championship. He had that sure. team competitive, really, until the, the fire kind of went out of him. If you saw last yeah. year, he just didn't have the same desire as a manager. But, no, you know, really, he, really. He like, couldn't wait to get out. Yep. Yeah, and, 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 of course, when the opportunity came with the, with the Marlins, I mean, he once he decided he was taking that job, he just kind of, I honestly don't think he really had any ambition anymore. But as a baseball man, the guy knows what he's doing. I would like to see him yeah. manage my club if he was a manager. But what you have to what you have to do is kind of separate that from the crap that you know that he gives you. You know, when he gives you the sound right. bites and he says the stupid things, and you're like, "Come on, did he say that again?" Well, why don't you just shut his mouth and just watch over the players? But he he yeah. has you know he does have control over the clubhouse. If you ask anybody that played with the White Sox over the last several years, the guys love him there. You know, they, they, you, know yeah. you know, and usually what happens when you got a loud loud mouth guy that you know really attracts a lot of attention the other way, you know, there's players that speak out against them. Like a, you know, some guys did you know about uh, against Bobby. Pedroia. You know, you Pedroia know. spoke out and you know Euclid. How about Euclid? <laughs> yeah, he took yeah, a dig right yeah. at Euclid. Uh, yeah, so I mean, he went like right after him. But you know, with you know, with as again, you never see players really get into him. He rips into his players. Yeah, you know, there's players that acknowledge that they've been yelled at by him, but they never take it to the you know the media. They're never like, hey, he was you know he wasn't fair the way he yelled at me. They kind of yeah. handle it. And if you look at what's going on with the Marlins now, they're starting to win a little bit. You know, a guy like Jose Reyes is only hitting two twenty six, 
But, I, you know, you don't hear any complaining from the players. Carlos Zambrano is the biggest nut job in the history of the world. The guy is a ticking time bomb at any second. And we haven't heard any instances with Zambrano. So, you know, he, he, he does have he had a, a complete team, didn't he, the other day? Yeah. I think he yeah, had a complete game. He did. Yeah, and he's pitching well, too. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? There is no easy way to tough job. You are scrutinized. And especially if you're in a major market like New York or Chicago, L.A., there's just no way around any problem getting out of not getting out of the clubhouse. So you do have – that's where I tip my hat to Girardi. You know, it's not uh, easy coaching the Stein uh, – or coaching for a Steinbrenner-owned Steinbrenner team. And we really haven't had a lot of fanfare as far as I don't like him. Probably Burnett's been the closest thing to that. But you didn't know what was in Burnett's head. You know, I mean, I wish he still was pitching, but he kind of, like, pitched himself right out of town. It's funny, so, that, it's funny that you mentioned Burnett because, you know, looking at the situation in a way, like, that was handled, it almost looks like Girardi maybe went to Cashman and they went, you know, collectively to the ownership and were like, hey, maybe we should get this guy out of here. And you and, yeah. and if, if you see like a lot of like you could compare Bobby V, you know, taking shots at his players, or Ozzie Guillen saying, you know, that guy sucks. He ain't gonna play for me anymore. Right. You know, it uh, looks like Girardi. I could I could see a case that maybe he said, listen, Burnett, you know, he's not gonna make it here. He's not a New York guy. We got to get him out of here. And rather than taking it to the media where he knew what they would do with it, he took it to Cashman and they, you know, quietly moved him in the off season. And and, and I, I, actually, I think I, I gained some respect for Girardi if that really was the case because. I mean, this is a guy that you could tell the Yankees just kind of wanted to move on from, and you never heard about it. For all the guys that right. cover the Yankees, all the bloggers, all the writers, all the announcers, all the different coverage that they have over all these different networks, you didn't hear right. anybody go go off and say anything along the lines of what Girardi you know, said or whether he likes Burnett, whether he doesn't like Burnett. And that was kind of handled professionally, so i got to give him some credit yep. for that. I just think he's a really bright young guy as far as managing. He's had success. And look at how uh, the Jorge Posada thing. I mean, you saw things being written. I didn't know what was true, not true. I've heard so many times that they didn't like each other. Maybe they didn't. But I never heard George Girardi, even after Jorge left, ever, like, let his guard down and go, yeah, I really couldn't stand the guy. To the contrary, he said, listen, when he was with the Yanks and Jorge was coming up, you know, he really – really pushed them on, and then, of course, he went back to Chicago, Chicago after, I guess, the uh, 96 and 97. I think you already left after 97, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, he left. He was, actually, he was, no, he was there for one year in uh, 2000. Yeah, yeah, it was after 97, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, the Yanks didn't go in 97. It was 96 they wanted, and I think 98. After that, he went to uh, – Chicago, and then it was Jorge who was catching full-time yes. in 99, 2000, and then, of course, into uh, where we are today. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's just like you were talking about Miami. They looked, or Florida, they looked terrible for the first 30 days. And you're right, they're starting to play ball now. We, I guess we have to give it a little bit more time and just hope that uh, some things start clicking for us. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, and you know what? Here's the way I look at it, and I've said this all along. If you ever you know, take, take a look at my blog on my website, I'll have Christian tell you about it afterwards. 
Um, I, I, I pretty much say that the Yankees are going to be fine. I mean, it's just, you know, unfortunately they're off to a rough start. Their starting pitching is not what they want it to. Um, you know, Andy Pettit's going to come back and give them some stability. And I think either, sure. either, with, Phelps, either with Phelps or maybe Hughes, somebody's going to step in and be able to be serviceable in a fifth starter spot. And that's really all you look for. Right. You, don't need, you don't need a superstar pitcher pitching, you know, your, as your fifth starter every day. You look no. at the great right. teams. You, know, you look at Tampa Bay. You look at Boston when they were good. You look at the Phillies. You know, none of them have a, a dominant fifth starter that you're like, hey, this guy can go up there with the Hallidays and the Sabathias and the Josh Johnsons right. of the world. So, you know, what you really need out of your fifth starter is somebody to go out there and give you five innings, maybe work into the six, maybe occasionally exactly. throw, you know, six shutout innings or something like that. But, you know, listen, that's going to be an up-and-down guy, and every team in baseball has it. I just don't understand why sometimes people get a little too, you know, over-consumed with, you know, having a dominant starter in every part of the rotation because no team has it. Now, and, and even if you did, look at how Philly, because they don't have uh, their first baseman and Utley is out, they're, they're getting some really good pitching, but they're not getting hits. Not and they're, no not, uh, they're leaving so many men on base the way the Yankees are. I mean, uh, again, credit the Mets. Yeah, how, about, how about that? Sweeping them in Philly. Exactly. And three games they could have lost. And all of a sudden, they're right back in it. In the seventh and eighth, I give them a lot of credit. I give Collins a lot of credit because I'm not a Mets fan. But they are playing ball that they have to play. I think they're playing so, a little uh, over their heads. I mean, it's, you know, listen, I, I, don't, I don't expect them to, and I'm, I'm actually a Mets fan. But I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't see. The, I don't see this team, you know, you know, reaching any October baseball this season. But I do like the way they take, you know, shape over their manager, and they they play hard. And if you look at all yes. th- all three of the games of the Philly series, they were behind early. Every every exactly. one of those games, they could have just you know put their tail between their legs and lost. But they battled They're back right. in the you know in the middle of the game towards the late late part of the game, and really went out there and gave it everything they got and ended up winning. Part of it, I think, is Phillies, you know, kind of lost their killer mentality. They don't have that, you know, stick it in your heart, it's done. I mean, part, yeah. part of it has to do with no Howard and no Utley, but right. they don't have right. that killer instinct anymore. You know, they're not going to get, you know, Rollins isn't going to come up with that basis-clearing double when it's a one-run game and they blow right. the game open. they got to win one-run games, and Philadelphia's bullpen has not gotten the job done. You know, Papel, yeah. Papelbon, up until, up until the other game, was actually the only one pitching well. But, you know, right. even he got beat. But the way the way it's set up, I mean, the Phillies need a lot more, number one, out of their bullpen, and they got to get something out of their offense. I mean, they're right. they're really underachieving right now. And this is a point in the season where I think things have to start going in the up. You talk about the Yankees and how I'm saying they're going to be fine in the end, and they've shown right. signs of that. The Philadelphia Phillies have not, and this is kind of scaring me, you know, if, if I would be a Philadelphia Philly fan. No, 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 you're exactly right. And, and i I got to tell you, I'm hoping the Yankees are watching with both eyes open, saying we don't want to be like this, where we've got an excellent pitching staff, our bullpen, like you say, is suspect, and we're not getting hits for our guys. They just don't hit. 